so today we're in uh, Romans 12 again, and we're going to get into a tricky section of Scripture. And I'll start with, have you ever heard someone tell you that they could tell someone is a believer just by looking at them? They'll say that I've heard this numerous times. You know, sometimes when I'm, I'm just around someone, I can tell that they're saved. They, they just kind of exude a glow and they, they, they have something about them. Well, every time I hear that, I think, man, if I had an hour to talk to this person about that. It's such a dangerous position to hold, but, but if I could just unpack the scriptures for them for about an hour, I could show them how there is a way to know if someone's saved. And it's not by a glow or a feeling. It's so much more marvelous. There is a way to know that you're saved with certainty. And it's not about what you see in the mirror as far as a glow or a smell. And then I was studying our text and I thought, my goodness, I have an hour. (laughs) I won't preach for the full hour, I assume. But we have a marvelous text in front of us today. One of, I would contend one of the most important parts of Romans. This is kind of where it's all been building to. And let me start with this story. Had a conversation this week with a, a young adult, just finished up their, their education. And I said, no, it's not Dylan, so don't start looking at him. I said, what are you going to do with the rest of their life? You'll see why I'm saving you here by, by caveating it. They said, well, I'd really like to go into the medical field. But to go back to school and to do all these internships and residencies, it's, it's such hard work. And I don't want to do that much hard work, so I think I'll try to find something at the beach I can do. You know, something a little more relaxing and comfortable. Now, let us not mock this child because, you're not, did I just call a 20-some-odd-year-old person a child? Man, I'm going to have a head full of gray hair like you too soon. Let us not mock this young adult because we're all like the young adult in our humanness. We're we're opposed to hard work. We're opposed to self-sacrifice. We're opposed to self-denial. But the Christian life is a life of hard work. It's a life of self-denial. It's a life of self-sacrifice. Now, you're all so excited for this, aren't you? Pastor, tell us how to do hard work and be miserable. No, there's not misery. There's joy. (laughs) You don't have to see a dentist if you're saved. Doesn't, I'm keeping moving. There, there's joy to be had. There's glory to be brought to God. There's usefulness to be had by you before God if you will do hard work, but not just doing hard work, doing hard work in light of Romans 1 through 11. So as we look at all this, don't lose track of Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, all the way to 11, all right? You want to keep feasting on the, the truths and the glory of the gospel of of who Christ is, who you are in Christ, the riches you have in Christ. But with all that being said about your identity in Christ, Paul now says, Christian brothers and sisters, do hard work. But it's so hard you can't pull it off on your own. In fact, it's called supernatural living. I'm in Romans 12. And it says, verse 9, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. 
Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. We all can underline that one, right? Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, what do you do, folks? If he's thirsty, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. How the heck am I going to preach all that in one Sunday? Not going to happen. <laughs> what we have here are over 20 commandments. And I thought about taking them in wide swaths, but then I thought, no, let's not do that. You'll see why in a minute. But I'll give you three hooks. Verse 9 looks at oneself. Verse 10 to 13, look at others. Verse 14 to 21, look at all people. So the commandments are growing in who they apply to. And today we're going to look at verse 9. Maybe we'll get a little further. Maybe we won't get through at all. Look at this first commandment. Now I need you all to pay attention. I want to be a little, little conversant. It says, I'm walking right to Evelyn and Rich. These guys, these are the bravest folks in our church family. It says, let love be genuine. Everybody have a pencil? All right, I want you to take a minute, and on your bulletin, write down a definition of love. If you don't have one, then grab one of those little golf pencils in front of you. You didn't know golf courses stole pencils from churches? A lot of people weren't aware that it's a horrible offense that's taken place for years in the church. Many golf courses are culpable too, just FYI. A definition of love. It's harder than it, than it seems, isn't it? Oh. All right, you got it? Anyone brave? What do you got? Passionate intimacy and commitment. Passionate intimacy and commitment. That's not bad, actually, Rich. That's, that's, that's really quite good. Anybody else have an idea? What is love? Yes. God is love, but I want to know what that word love means. Well, what, is that, what is that love? That God, God is love and that God gave his life for us, manifests that love. Amen? Well, do you love people? Don't you ever tell anyone I love you? I say to my kids and my wife, I love you, and they're like, Dad, you don't need to tell us. We see by your actions. That's not what they say. Sometimes they go, you don't really love me or I wouldn't have to do this. Do you ever tell anyone you love them? What the heck do you mean when you say that? See, see, this is why I'm slowing this down today. Because let love be genuine, but if you don't know what love is, how are you going to be genuine with it? Love seeks the welfare of others for the glory of God. Love seeks the welfare of others for the glory of God. 1 John 4, 7, 8, God is love, right, Suzanne? So we're to imitate that love of God. 
1 Corinthians 13, do we dare touch that chapter again after last week? Yeah, we'll touch it again after last week. You look at verses 4 to 8. You know, I don't know why people use this at weddings. It's a verse, it's, first of all, it's not a wedding verse, but it's a verse that you should read and be like, Lord Jesus, forgive me because I ain't what I ought to be. Yeah, you ever think about that? You go to a wedding, you guys had a wedding yesterday, right? Love is, love is patient, love is kind, love is slow to anger, and then you get home after your wedding, you're like, why is your toothbrush on my sink? That's no love, is it? Why, why can't I watch what I want? But it's a beautiful verse that points to what love truly is. If I can turn there, I might even tell you what it said. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the what? You guys know who said that? Truth. Rejoices with the truth. Love and truth are hand in hand. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love seeks the welfare of others for the glory of God. And it's based on truth. Romans 5, 5, the love of God has been poured into your heart if you're saved. My friends, we are called to do what in Romans 12, verse 9? Let love be genuine. How do you see that? Now we're getting a little too interactive in church. (laughs) What does ungenuine love look for? Anyone here have parents who are not saved? You know what happens when they tell you they love you? It's not genuine love. Oh, they love you in the worldly sense, but they're not seeking your welfare for the glory of God, are they? Well, you know what happens when, when I met my wife in college and she said to me one day, she wasn't my wife in college. We actually were, were students. We, we dated. We got married. Just, just, you know. She said, I love Dr. Pepper. And we had quite a, quite a uh, discussion about this. I said, now, wait a minute. You told me you love me, and then you said you love Dr. Pepper. Well, well am I just like a, a fizzy soda to you, or, or what's the deal? Or, is, or do you have strange feelings towards Dr. Pepper? We throw the word love so casually and superficially and without understanding what we're saying. And that's why Paul says, in light of Romans 1 through 11, in light of this God who is love, who saved you by the death of his son, in light of who you are in Christ, in light of what has been poured into your new heart, in light of the regeneration that has taken place in your life, listen to me, says Paul, let your love be genuine. That's hard work. That's self-sacrificial work. That requires denial. In fact, on your own, you can't do it. The fruit of the Spirit is what? First thing, a lost person can't love. It's not just hard work, it's supernatural work. And it's not like going up to someone and say, ah, Rich and Kim, I love you guys. It's evidenced by how I live in front of Rich and Kim and for Rich and Kim and in light of Rich and Kim. Do I seek their good in Christ at all costs, or do I use them for personal benefit? Hmm. I got 22 more to go. We're going to be here a while. (laughs) Church, let love be genuine. We're talking real love, genuine love, God-honoring love, 1 Corinthians love, 1 John love. In fact, if you don't, look, turn your heads around. You see these people in here? You, You see them all? 
Yeah, they're those bit players that fill the place up. If you don't love these people, mm, you read 1 John. Oh, I'll say it. If you don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you might not be a lover of Jesus. You read 1 John. What kind of love? Oh, hi, I'm so happy to see you. No, not that type of love. Yeah, I'm happy to see her. But the type of love that shows up when it's hard, that long-sufferingly endures, that can be offended and sticks with, that lays down my life for her good, for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Let love be genuine. How do you do it? You can. He can. And look at Romans 1 through 11 and get back on that altar. Amen? Amen. Should I stop? Abhor what is evil. Does anyone here love what is evil? Y'all lying dogs today. Put your hand up. Everybody put your hand up. Everybody put your hand up. Everybody got their hands up? Now let me re-ask the question. Who loves evil? Good, you're all honest now. If you're fully and truly loving God, you're hating evil. But nobody's fully and truly loving God. And when you're not loving God, you know what you're loving? In a culture that loves evil, let me say that again. In a culture that celebrates, pursues, normalizes, is entertained by, embraces, and encourages evil. Romans 1. You are marinating amongst evil lovers. And by default, in the flesh, you love evil. Now, does anyone love any evil today yet? Yeah. Some of y'all are probably loving it right now, saying, Pastor, shut up and move on. <laughs> Paul says, love genuinely. Abhor what is evil. How, how, how do you abhor what is evil? Anyone ever go to a movie? Yeah. All right. You, you, ever, you ever watch a movie with adultery in it? It's hard to go to a movie and not do that unless you see Pixar movies only. <laughs> they got other issues. You paid money, you laughed at it, or you called it a beautiful love story, evil lover. Anyone here? Anyone here ever... Ever send out something inappropriate on a, a text, a tweet, or an email? Yep. You know, ever, ever speak out in anger? You stupid idiot, may God's wrath fall upon you. You're a lover of evil. Well, how do you stop loving evil? You love Jesus. And how do you love Jesus? You can't, but he first loved you. Amen? Amen. Romans 12, we're, we're just parked in Romans 12, aren't you? I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. He says, don't be what to this world? This evil, loving, Romans 1, 2, 3 world? But be what instead of conform? How? My friends, who loves evil? Abhor it. How do you abhor it? supernatural. You love Jesus, you walk with Jesus, and you say, Jesus, would you give me a Romans 12, 2 brainwashing? You know what a Christian is? It's a brainwashed person. I said that. A Christian is a brainwashed person. A lost person is a dirty brain person. We have been cleansed by the blood of Christ. I don't mean brainwashed like, yes, Pastor John, what shall we do? Yes, Pastor John, we will all come to Sunday school today. I don't mean like that, though you should all come to Sunday school. But I do mean, I do mean that your mind is transformed 
so that you can love Jesus and love one another. Amen? Should I stop there? What's going to happen when I go, should I stop there? And everyone is like, yes! Hold fast to what is good. It's a fighting word. It's a, it's a gripping word. What, what, what's good? Maybe I'll pick on Samuel now because he's leaving Tuesday, right? I have to worry about offending him so he doesn't come back next Sunday. I won't do that to you. What is good? How do you know what is good? Do you all hear my, my, my friend Patty here? Front row answer right there. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what? What's the what? Good. Will of God. What is? Good. What is? Acceptable. What is? Perfect. How do you know what's good? Climb on that altar. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Pastor, I don't read my Bible. It's hard work. Shut up! I, but I, I don't want to do hard work. I want to go to the beach. I'm not picking on the beach. I was just there. It's hard work to do the will of God. It's hard work to know the will of God. It's hard work to identify good and hold fast to good. It's hard work to love one another. It's hard work to abhor what is evil. But you have been saved to do hard work in the power of God for the glory of God in light of the gospel. Amen? You all tracking with me? I don't like this sermon today. I don't like this text today because I don't want to harp on duty. I don't want to harp on obligation. For freedom, Christ has set us free, right? Galatians 5.1. But do you know what that freedom is? To do the will of God in the power of God for the glory of God. For freedom, Christ has set you free. What's that freedom? To do the will of God according to the word of God. In the power of God. Life is found in doing what God has called us and saved us to do. You guys know Ephesians 2? Which part? Look at it. Verse 17. I'm kidding, not verse 17. You know Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, right? What are you saved by? Through? Not by? So that no one can what? Then there's another verse that comes right after that in 10. It says, you're saved by grace. You've been saved through faith. Not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Stick with me. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You want to know what these good works are? Look at Romans 12. You're saved by grace, through faith, empowered by God, through the miracle called regeneration and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, so that you can do this. The Christian life is not about feeling. It's not about mysticism. It's not about coming over here. Jesus, can you talk to me? Oh, uh uh-huh. Oh, no. The Christian life is about climbing on the altar, dying to self, walking in the will of God according to word of God, by the power of God, and you will have joy beyond measure 
You will bring glory to God. God will use you to attract people to himself. People won't know you by a glow on your face. They'll know you by a supernatural life that you live. Your love will be genuine. You will abhor what is evil. You will hold fast to what is good. That's hard work. What if you don't want to do it? What if, what if you don't want to do it? God is just, anyone ever get here? It's hard. I'm tired. I know I'm supposed to love these people, but good Lord Jesus, you know them. <laughs> right? God, uh, how am I going to abhor evil? There are a lot of good movies coming out. A lot of good TV shows to watch. Lost people are more fun to hang out with. You know what Jesus says? Oh, I didn't realize. You're right. He says, get back on that altar, son. Get, die, die to self, son. Quit, quit leaning in the flesh, son, and do hard work. Well, 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 why should I do hard work? Jesus says, do you know the hard work that I did on your behalf? Do, do, do you think you have it rough, my son? You, you think it's, it's kind of hard? Oh, you've got to sit down and read your Bible a little bit? Well, why don't you try coming down for perfection? Living in the midst of filth and misery and mire and sin and infested death. Becoming accursed. Being hung on a cross. Taking the wrath of God. Put in a tomb. You try doing that and then you tell me that you got it tough. But don't just look at what I did. Look at why I did it. He says, son, do you know how much I love you? Do you know what you were? Do you know what you are? Now get your butt up off of that mat and quit throwing a temper tantrum and trust me and walk with me and know that I am with you and I will lead you perfectly. And do you know what the sign of the believer is? It's not that they walk perfectly. It's that they walk. You don't love genuinely. But Christ did. You don't abhor what is evil perfectly. But Christ did. You don't hold fast to what is good, but Christ did. And he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? Amen. My friends, we don't get here often in the American church. Hard work with Jesus don't sell. But Jesus said, count the cost. But count it in light of Romans 1 through 11. You are more loved than you can fathom. You are more capable than you realize. You are more useful in Christ than you can fully wrap your mind around. In light of your identity in Christ, in light of the love of God in Christ Jesus, in light of the riches of Romans 8, in light of all that we are and all that he's done and all that he will do, I appeal to you, says Paul, brothers and sisters in Christ, love genuinely, hate evil, hold fast to what is good, we could add on, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. But I can't. Right. But I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's what it's talking about. Not talking about you getting that promotion at work or, or like, I'm going to score a touchdown. I can do all things through him who strengthens Stop. You can love genuinely. You can hate evil. You can hold fast to what is good. We can put the eye black strips on at church. You're like, what eye black strips? The Philippians ones. Come on. <laughs> My friends, 
I'm not going to go too much further here. There is much to dig into here, but I want to start carefully. What is the Christian life all about? It's a life of hard work, self-denial, and self-sacrifice in light of the gospel. It is a life motivated by Romans 1 through 11, caused by regeneration, empowered by the Spirit. Amen? Amen. You know, it says in, uh, what is it, Philippians? I was talking about this with, with someone this week. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You ever, you ever read that verse? Uh-huh. That's Philippians. Yeah, Philippians 2. Yep. Flip over there for a minute. It's a scary verse, so we'll, we'll end on a scary note. Hmm. <laughs> it's not a scary verse. Therefore, yeah, now what's the therefore? Don't worry about the therefore. I can put it whatever context I want. Therefore, in light of the, the humility of Christ, as you've always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What's that mean? Work, work it out. Make sure it's real. I'm watching. Is that what Paul's saying? You really saved? Let's see. Work it out. So I want you all to go home this week and work it out. Come back and let me know if you're saved. That's not what it means. It means in light of what you are inside, let that work itself out to the outside. You hear what I'm saying there? In light of your identity in Christ, so be your life in Christ. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. My friends, don't love genuinely to prove to Jesus you love him. Love genuinely because you can't help but doing that because Jesus loves you. Don't don't abhor evil to show Jesus what a holy and righteous person you are. Abhor evil because Jesus abhors evil. Listen, don't grieve sin because of the consequences of sin. Grieve sin because it's disgusting. If I brought in a pile of deer poop, would you eat it? I have three boys. I use poop stuff. Another 10 years will we pass the poop. If I brought in a pile of deer poop, would you eat it? Nope. Why? Deer poop. Disgusting. Would you not eat it because it would make you sick, or would you not eat it because it's disgusting? disgusting? Don't sin because sin will make you sick and harm you. Don't sin because it's disgusting. Jesus hates sin. As we're conformed to the image of Christ, guess what we hate? Sin looks like deer poop. You're not attracted to it. How do you hold fast to what is good? You hold fast to what is good because Jesus held fast to what is good. And in light of that and he dwelling in you, hold fast to what is good. You can do it. It's a Romans 7 battle. But my friends, the Christian life starts here. Fight! Do hard work. Do hard things. One of the primary things that we do in raising young men in our house from a young age Go dig a hole. Well, why? Because it's hard. Take a shovel, dig a hole. But for what purpose? I said dig a hole. Little by little, you watch kids grow into young men who like to do hard work. Why do we do that? Well, it's free labor. But then when God, when God says do hard work, they're apt to do hard work. You ever go to the store? We talked about this. Go to the ice cream store and you desperately want that big ice cream. And you're fit as a fiddle. It's not a problem and you don't get the ice cream, you get unsweetened tea. Why? Self-denial. 
Not because you have to, but it builds up a strength. So when God says, don't do that, you have a reserve of spiritual energy to not do that. Well, that's not my wife, but she sure is good looking. Stop. Stop back here. Self-denial, self-sacrifice, hard work. This is the Christian life for the glory of God. Do you see this? Too many people walk lazy Christian lives. Now, partly I can say, don't be so dang lazy, but I want God to motivate that. Why do you want to be lazy? Do you want to honor the devil and delight with him? Or do you want to glorify God? We're saved for supernatural living. So, the next time you're out and you see somebody and you think, I'm going to go tell pastor I met this person and I just know they're saved because they just glowed it and I could tell. Stop. Maybe they're saved. I don't know. Maybe they glow. There's an encouragement amongst a believer where you can talk about the things of the Lord. But how do you know someone is saved? Judas talked about the things of the Lord. How do you know someone is saved? Supernatural living. What is supernatural living? It's not signs and wonders. It's loving genuinely. It's abhorring what is evil. It's holding fast to what is good. My friends, mm, it is hard work. Doesn't Jesus say, die to self? Carry your cross. Bear one another's burdens. Fight the good fight. Paul doesn't say, I jogged and walked to 5K. He says, I've run the race set before me. I've disciplined the body. This is the hard work of the Christian life. And the world looks at us and they're like, what's so special? Let them see people that love genuinely, that abhor evil, that hold fast to what is good. And the devil will hate this church. The world will look at this church and go, what the heck is that? And God will look at this church and say, with you I am well pleased. When you want to quit, look to Christ. When you feel like you can't do it, praise Christ. When you want to disobey, climb back on the altar. Listen to me. Look at Christ. Look what he did. Look who you are. Look at the power at work within you. Fight the good fight. Live supernaturally for the glory of God, the joy he intends, for the love of the saints, and for the sake of the lost around us. This is a huge, huge deal but don't ever put it in the context outside of Romans 1 through 11. Amen? Amen? So I had that conversation with that young adult. wasn't a kid. not that old. And I said, well, what's wrong with hard work? Got a funny look. Well, I don't know who wants to do hard work. Who wants to do hard work here? Now, how many of you listen to this and you're like, yeah, let's do it. And let's be honest, by Tuesday, you're like, dude, it's too much. <laughs> do you know what you do on Tuesday? I read a book called The Indianapolis, a long title. I don't know the whole title. It's a great book, bestseller right now. The lady who wrote it wanted to quit thousands of time in her research. And the reason she didn't, she would look to the man who died. Do you know the story of the Indianapolis? Yep. My goodness, if you don't know this story, get this book and read this book. It's a long book. It's hard work. It's good exercise. <laughs> Unbelievable story. So few people know it. But she'd look at the men who gave their lives on this boat, who, who, who lived through the shipwreck, the sinking of this boat, and she'd talk to them and she would push on for their sake. How much more so you and I, not who were people on a sinking boat, 
but who are people in a fortress that cannot be overcome, who are children of the Most High God, when you feel like quitting, look to the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen? Amen. Jesus Christ. Look to why we are here. Look to where we are going. Look to what we will one day become. And look at the consequential nature of all that we do. See, there's so much here. I got 23 more commandments. I got through three. It picks up next week, trust me. I'm telling you, these are some of the most marvelous, challenging, encouraging, and important verses in all of Romans. Now, we like the Romans 1 through 11 better. It's very uplifting. It's very encouraging. Heck, it should be. It's called the gospel, but here's the gospel too. The gospel is not what are you saved from. That's part of it, but primarily it's what are you saved to. Well, the good news is that that by grace through faith, I'm forgiven by the blood of Christ, I'm reconciled to God, and I don't have to go to hell. Amen? I get to live in eternity in the presence of God in a face-to-face interaction and fellowship with him. Amen? Amen. But there's so much more. See, for, for freedom, Christ has set me free. And I am free in Christ to walk according to his word in his power for his glory. I can live Ephesians 2.10 because I have received Ephesians 2.8 and 9. And we want to think that the the Christian life is some, some super crazy look. Listen, it's ordinary. It's monotonous. And it's supernaturally wonderful. It's completely contrary to human nature. And that's why God gets the glory. You can't genuinely love apart from Christ. You can't hate evil apart from Christ. You can't hold fast to what can do apart from Christ. You can just at best be a whitewashed tomb. Your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees. Those dudes were tithing machines. They were fasting fanatics. They were were church-attending gurus. They got all the awards from Kids Church Up. Perfect attendance every single year. I'd say something like, what does Hosea 1.17 say? And they'd all jump up and go, Rabbi, I know. And Jesus said, you're going to hell. It's not that they did the wrong things. It's they did the wrong things for the wrong reasons. Brothers and sisters in Christ, reverse the curse and do the right things for the right reasons in light of how you have been made right in Christ Jesus. Amen? Oh, I want to go on a little bit, but I'm looking at that clicker up there. Not going to do it. I'm going to keep it clean and neat. Verse 9 talks about personal duties, personal obligations. Understand this right here. You are called to duty, to obligation in Christ Jesus. How do you know? Talk love. We'll start, stop with love. How Does anyone love Jesus? I hope some hands go up here, or maybe I just scared everybody off, and i got to go repent before the Lord. How do you know you love Jesus? Jesus tells you how you can know. If you show up at church 90% of the time, Jesus says you love me, amen? amen. If, you, if you give over 25% of your gross income, Jesus says you really love him, amen? amen? If you read your Bible 10 chapters a day, Jesus says that means you really love him, right? What does Jesus say? If you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. Well, why is he tying the commandments into loving him? Because, see, if you really love Jesus and you really know who he is, why would you not want to keep his commandments? John tells us his commandments 
are not burdensome, but a joy and a delight to the heart. Your word to me is sweeter than honey, more precious than gold, even much fine gold. I delight in the law of the Lord. What happened to those people? They knew God well. Mm. Well, next time, man, I can't believe I only got verse 9. <laughs> verse 10 to 14, these have to do with how we're to live with our brothers and sisters in Christ, in particular in the church, the local church. Love one another with brotherly affection. How are you going to do that? Come back next week. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Now, now if you were to listen to this, if you were to ask a lost person, what is a Christian? What do you think they would say? Now, you go back to the time of the early church and you ask that question. You know what they would say? I've read this in the Bible. I know... I know they didn't show up all the time. In fact, in Acts, it tells me that people were freaked out by the church and stayed away. That's not my goal. We're successful, but it's not my goal. They, they would know us by our love for one another, by our love for God, by our hatred of what is evil, by our holding fast to what is good. They would know us by our supernatural living. So here's your job. Here's how you do it. And here's where I'll land this plane, hopefully on all its wheels. Every day afresh and anew, you come before the Lord, you hear him through his word, and you allow him to remind you of who he is, of who you are in Christ Jesus, of who you were apart from Christ Jesus, how you became what you are and why you are what he says you are. Amen? Amen. What you will one day become. And when God says do, you know what you get to do? You get to smile and do and say, yes, master, yes, father, yes, yes. Yes, because slowly but surely, as you die to self, you live for the glory of God. And I promise you this, one day, for us who are in Christ, when we enter into the joy of our eternal rest, now I want you to listen to what I'm going to say next, when you actually physically see Jesus, all right, you're going to physically see physical Jesus, you have the ability to physically touch a physical man who is actually God. Now just marvel over that. You will see God face to face. Because before the foundation of the earth, God chose you by grace through faith to live with him forever. Are you tracking with me here? God said before, before he spoke anything into creation in his own mind, if, if you will, I am creating this one to spend eternity with me, and to make that happen, I will reconcile them to myself at incredible cost to myself. Do you know how loved you are? Do you know how much God loves you and will care for you perfectly? So, so tomorrow morning at 8.01, when you're starting to struggle, remember that, would you? Remember how you became what you are? Don't let the flesh lead the way. Don't let the world lead the way. Let the Spirit of God lead the way for the glory of God so that you might not only glorify him, but that you might have the joy he intends for you, that you might be useful to do the good works he's prepared beforehand for you, Ephesians 2.10, but because we are here to be put on display before a lost world, and a lost world doesn't know we're saved by some glow or some crazy stuff. A lost world knows that we're saved because we genuinely love. 
Because we abhor what is evil. Because we hold fast to what is good. And 20 some odd other things. I'll pick up the pace next week. But please, 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 do hard work. But do it for the right reason. Let's pray. Father, I particularly pray this week that your word would be communicated clearly and settled firmly. I pray that you would protect our ears so we might not tip either to the side of cheap grace or legalism. Lord, help us to to be doers of the word, but because of what has been done on our behalf. Lord, help us to be people who rejoice in grace, who are not overcome by, by guilt and shame because there is no shame or guilt or condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus but allow us to never be complacent with our current level of sin. For we carry the family name. Lord, if you so delighted, you could have simply saved us and brought us home to glory. Could have given us a resurrection body right away and gotten us out of this mess. But all through Scripture, ever since Adam told Eve, I wear the plants in this family, ever since that great sin in the beginning, Lord, You have left a people in this world through whom you are glorified as you work supernaturally through them. And it's all worked its way through history to this magnificent point in what you call in your word the end times, where your people are now indwelt by you, where we are the temple of God, where we've been given a new heart, a heart of flesh, and within us a desire to obey you. But yet, Lord, the world invites us to not do that hard work, but just come and do something easy. Oh, Holy Spirit, convict us of sin. Holy Spirit, bathe us in grace and mercy. Holy Spirit, make Jesus magnificent before our eyes. Cause us to walk in joyful obedience to him, not because we have to to be right with him, but because we were made right with him by grace through faith. Lord, help us understand this pivot from Romans 1 and 11 to 12 through 15. Help us to to understand the joy of climbing back on that altar. Help us to, to understand the joy to be had in the hard work of having our minds transformed through your word. And then, Lord, help us not to say, I can't, but to rather say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can love genuinely. I can abhor what is evil. I can hold fast to what is good. Lord Jesus, have this happen in my life for your glory. Lord, may we be those people. May we be gospel people. And may we, as we live these good lives, be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that you will never leave us. And thank you that we are saved so we might glorify you and truly live. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.